Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from Talk Sport. I'm John Norman. I should be with Jared Kimber, but you know, incredibly, he is so excited that Australia have wrapped up a handsome victory here on day five. He's actually out there on the field right now, top off, being pursued by two, no, three, four security guards. He's just heard all the advertising hoarding. He's now running up the stairs past the legions of Australia fans that are trying to protect him. They're cloaking him. He's disappeared from view. Now, there he is now. He's managed to hurdle up to the second tip, to the third. And he's just about to join me now to look back on a crushing defeat for England. A huge win for England, uh, Australia rather. And uh, let's look back at where it all went wrong and it all went right. You're listening to the following on podcast on TalkSport. Player of the day, Steve Smith. Okay, Nathan Lyon. Uh, well, Steve Smith bowled well. I feel a little bit bad that you've taken about no Nathan Lyon. He um, it wasn't only a few years ago. He looked terrible when he bowled in the fourth innings. He looked really nervous. So he didn't know. Oh, that reminds me of someone. I'm, I'm sure it'll come to me. Uh, no, well, I'm sure it'll come to. Me. Moving on. Um, very robotic, and like he would bowl the ball in the same spot, but he would never vary his angles or his delivery. Or his would he bowl beamers every now and again? He did not bowl beamers. I mean, he's he's a little better than the other bloke, but um, now he just looks so confident. He looked from the first time, and he didn't even come on straight away, which I think again would have been something that might have bothered him, you know, a couple of years ago, not not getting the ball straight away. And he just it, it was incredible to watch him at times today, um, and he really could have taken. Um, he could have taken 17 wickets today. Had there been 350 odd wickets for him now. 352, six for today. Um, he wasn't even rated for a while, was he? He wasn't rated for the very look. That, part of that is, you know, he's an off spinner from Australia, and we haven't had many. We've had him, 
and uh, Hugh Trumbull, uh, and very few in between. You know, we've had some good bowlers. Tim May and Ashley Mallet have had skills. They've not been duds, but they haven't taken a lot of wickets. They certainly haven't taken 352 wickets. So, you know, that, the whole joke about him being the GOAT um, because he was the highest wicket taker of any off-spinner, it's kind of slowly diminishing as a joke, isn't it? And, you know, it's, it's been quite interesting. But I just thought he was wonderful today. And I thought he would take wickets today, but I think he bowled even better than I thought he would. Describe the, uh, the, the, the. I mean, he's he is a player in some ways. He goes under the radar, isn't he? What does he bring to this Australia side? You know, tell us technically why he's so gifted. It, it's really interesting. I remember very early on in his career watching him um, after he. So he actually came through the Big Bash. Um, I think it was. Um, he was. He, Wasn't he a groundsman? He, he was a groundsman playing in Canberra. I think he played with Adam Collins in Canberra. You know, very average level of cricket. Sorry, Colo. Um, but not as strong as, you know, the other states are, obviously. Uh, it's quite small. And then he ended up in the Big Bash. And he, um, and I watched him bowl, and he was being fast-tracked into the team. I was like, it was just an off-spinner. He's, I don't understand. And then one day I was at Adelaide Over watching him in, in a test match early in his career. And from side on, you understand what he does. The ball just... Uh, the best way for me to explain it is imagine a ball um, rolling on a glass table and then just dropping off the end. The amount of sort of um, over-revolutions he puts on the ball to get it to drop, which means it bounces before you think it's going to bounce and it bounces higher than you think it's going to bounce. And that's what he does. So he beats you in flight and then you have to contend with the bounce, which is why he gets so many wickets at short leg. Um, he don't, he's not a massive side spinner of the ball, but because of this other skill, he keeps himself in the game. And then when the pitch starts to break up, he p- puts a little bit more side spin on the ball and it makes him even harder to play. So, And he's very accurate. I'd say he's probably the most accurate finger spinner in world cricket at the moment, which is an underrated skill. Have, not really. I mean, accuracy is quite important for spinners. You say that, but we, we don't think about it that way. I think we think that a spinner needs to have seven mystery balls and they need to be able to spin it both ways. But realistically, I think most of the best spinners of all time have probably only either bowled it straight or spun it one way. But their, their normal de- delivery, their stock delivery is always dangerous. And I think we, because of that extra bounce of, of line, he has that. But you've also got to think back to Australia. We love leg spin. We don't really rate finger spin as a thing. Um, if you know, I mean, uh, Gideon Haig's great co- comment, uh, it's cricket's rubbish skill. That's kind of how Australia looks at finger spin, and we always have. And our pitchers haven't favoured it until we got one who bounced a little bit more. But, uh, you know, an incredible cricketer. And, and think about this, was it 2013, um, he took a seven-wicket haul in India and was dropped the next test for Ashton Agar. Um, who obviously made 98, won, won the hearts of the English public, but has v- virtually not been seen since. It shows that even at that point, as good as Lyon was, we still didn't quite rate him. And he's now absolute frontline spinner. And he would need someone like Tom O'Connell, the young leg spinner, or Lloyd Pope, the, the other young leg spinner. It would take something special from one of those two uh, where you know they're basically Warn-esque, I think, to get rid of Lyon at this point. But he's also a very good fielder, a very good leader. He's kind of an angry little man. He, he looks, what, 12 to 13 years older than he is? How many wickets can he go on to take? He's still quite young, isn't he? Um, uh, realistically, unless, some, as I said, one of these young leg spinners turns out to be great. And I think Tom O'Connell's a very good player, but I think he'll end up being in T20. I think Lloyd Pope has a lot of weapons, but I don't see anyone else coming through that's going to take Nathan Lyon's spot. So unless it was an all-rounder, um, you know, I mean, it wasn't that long ago they liked Steve, Steve O'Keefe a lot as well, and he sort of um, faded away. So, I don't know, 524? You heard it here first. Well, I'm not sure what your story of the day is, Jared, but my story of the day is where now for England? Um, now my story of the day is that I think the Australian bowlers bowled really well as, as a pack and that England batsmen are, as we know, 
as a general top seven or top eight or top nine as they are, um, there's only really one test quality batsman there and everyone else is just below. They've either got one glaring weakness or they're really good, but they're not great. You know, sort of Besto, Stokes, Butler. I think they're all very incredibly talented cricketers, but if they're none of them average over 40, you know. So you've basically got roots and a bunch of people with either limitations or um, f- fragility to their game. And I think what we saw today was a very, very good test bowling attack probing on a, on a slightly helpful surface, but not a massively helpful surface, against batsmen who are maybe not quite good enough. I would go Australia are in a similar situation, to be honest with you. Uh, it's just that their one world-class player is actually a universe uh, class player and I still feel that unfortunately Joe Root carries the, the weight of uh, of the captaincy on him in a way that I don't see in ODI cricket What's bigger a universe or a galaxy? Universe Okay then a universe size player yeah I was going to say maybe a galaxy so well, How is a galaxy bigger than the universe? You are a, I know I'm pretty sure you're a bit of a star guy you know about the, I don't really know about the space thing Silver surfer man uh, <laughs> Ball of the day a couple for me, I'm going to throw it in there, but there were some absolute beauties today. Uh, I thought that delivery from Pattinson to Roy, uh, last ball of the 12th over, which essentially turned Roy inside out. It was almost like he wasn't sure which way to go through a revolving lift door. Uh, was absolutely phenomenal. And then Roy did this thing where he, like, yeah. he shook the ball off as if to go, well, I, I need to get that one out of my system. That it was an incredible ball. It was a bit like what Steve Smith does, isn't it? When he got scommed. <laughs> so, yeah, that one. And also there was a delivery from uh, Siddle to Roy, uh, a leg cutter, 80-mile-an-hour leg cutter. You know the one which uh, went between wicketkeeper and first slit, which was... <laughs> So uh, it not only deceived the batsman, it deceived Tim Payne, who started running towards the uh, fine leg and then realised, oh, my God, it's taken the outside edge and I've got to get back and uh, went for four. So there were my two shots of the day. I don't know if any come to your mind. I'm sure there's a, a delivery or two from Nathan Lyon that springs to mind. Yeah, a line getting Moen Ali I thought was brilliant uh, because, you know, the ball was spinning sideways out of the rough, but it wasn't spinning as much out of the, 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 you know, the flat bit of the pitch. And that one did. I know it was Moen Ali, so... It, you know, at this point, he kind of a walking wicket against Lyon. But I still thought it was a really good ball. And the other one was he looks down at his notes. Wow, you've done notes uh, today. That's brilliant. I'm really proud of you. The other one was Pat Cummins um, hooping a reverse swinging ball. that I think they reviewed it. Was It um, It might have been Roy? I can't remember. Um, uh, or Royal or even Root. And it was a... The thing with Cummins is he doesn't move the ball that much. I just gave Tim Wigmore a piece uh, for the Telegraph where I said, have, you know, check the numbers. He doesn't have big variation in his balls. They go fairly straight. It's just that when he moves them at 90 miles an hour, he doesn't have to move them that much. But that ball to whoever the batsman was was incredible. They reviewed it, but I was like, there's no way that can hit the stumps. It's moved too far. It's not about the batsman. It's about the ball. Shot of the day. I can't think of a single shot that made me purr today. Uh, I saw a lot of futile hits to the boundary. That's about it. Well, one of those futile hits to the boundary, I think it was Joe Deadly's fourth ball. He got a full ball outside our stump and he swatted a sweep shot over deep mid-wicket. Um, uh, yeah, two. Two in that over, didn't he? Yeah. That, but two, the same over, they had an inside edge that nearly went past his off stump. He would have been at bowl for naught. Yeah, but it was the second one I really liked. I thought it was a great shot. And, you know, whether Joe Denley is, you know, going to be around for that much longer in this series and whether he's going to be continuing to bat, but... I mean, it was a good shot. Is it? Life's about moments, John. You went a bit John Etheridge there. Ooh, it, was a, it was a good shot. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the shot. Uh, it would be rude not to. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including... England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies. In the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Rant of the day. I suppose I should be angry, but I'm just disappointed. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it is a rant-worthy day for me either. Um, there's a lot to be said about England, um, but I'm not sure it's anything we didn't know coming in. One thing I'll say is uh, Peter Siddle's ended up with two wickets in this test. Does that sound right? Well, I'm going to bring him back for unluckiest of the day. So let's rant. Um, I'm trying to think of something to rant about. I could possibly pretend to be annoyed by the fact Jimmy Anderson went out to bat. Uh, but, you know, is it really that big a deal? I don't really see the point of him doing it. I see, I see why he went out. I'm not sure why he was running between the wickets. He should have just stood at one end more. Well, when the, uh, you know, this came from the England camp, he aggravated his calf injury, pushing off for a second uh, when, he was, when he was batting in first innings, which made more sense to be out there for first innings. Personally, for me, the fact that he was out there today suggests that we won't see him play in Ashes cricket again. Because if there is an outside chance of him getting fit, then surely he does not bat, um, does not run. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think if I was going to do a pre-rant, I think that people will read read a lot into this game when realistically we haven't learned anything about either side that we didn't know. We knew Australia had a very good, a very disciplined bowling attack and that they would keep pressure on. We knew that England had a long batting lineup, but they don't really have a top three and um, they don't have many top quality batsmen. We knew that Steve Smith was really good and we knew that the England bowlers, I still think the England bowlers did really well. It's just they don't have a plan for Steve Smith. You take Steve Smith out of that game. So I think there'll be, there'll be a lot of angry re- rhetoric, I think, you know, um, out there. But realistically, I, it, this game could have gone either way, I think. And I, if, we, if we're going to really rant about anything, we should rant about the fact that um, England had several man-cad opportunities of Steve Smith and did not take a single one, John. 
Can I moan about the fact that it's actually started to rain? The game finished about 45 minutes ago. Actually, it's blue skies over there. But if it rains the next six hours, that's uh, a rant of the day for another, another match. Unluckiest of the day. You spoke about us not learning anything new from this test match, but I think we did learn something, or we were reminded of something, and that is that Peter Siddle is a terrific bowler, uh, underrated and deserving of a place in the Lords Test match. Whether he plays or not, that's a question to be had, but it's certainly a problem because he bowled beautifully today and did so throughout this test match. His partnership with Steve Smith was a turning point in the match. Um, and how he only took two wickets, none today. I mean, of all people to drop a chance as well, Steve Smith, which would have given him a wicket. Um, yeah, I mean, what a campaigner, really. Well, Nick Compton tweeted, I think, maybe on day two or day three, that, um, that he couldn't work out Siddle. He was just a medium-paced trundler as far as he was concerned and wasn't that good. And I was watching him going, he just keeps the pressure on at all times. I think Josh Hazelwood is a fundamentally better bowler. He's taller, he's faster, um, but he doesn't keep the pressure on the way that, that Siddle does. And Siddle's just always at you and he's always nibbling away. Um, and and I, I love his trend, you know, it's very rare that I like a guy who starts as a fast bowler and ends up as an accurate bowler. But in his case, I, I really, really have enjoyed watching him change as a bowler. Um, and I thought he was brilliant today. I, I, I didn't see his final figures, you probably got them there. But at one stage he had 10 overs for 23 or something. Um, and he was even better um, at times. So what he, 12 overs for 28. And at times um, he had even better figures than that um, in, the, in the first innings. I think maybe he went for about 10 runs in his first... Six overs or something along those lines. I just thought he bowled brilliantly and, and he showed. And this was not. So he ended up with two for 52 from 27 in the first innings with eight maidens. Um, you know, f phenomenal effort. And I think if you look at the amount of pressure he, he puts on um, consistently on a wicket that did not suit him. They picked him for this wicket because they thought it would nip around a lot more, and it didn't. He needs a seeming wicket, and yet he never let England get away, um, and he was always at them, and he probably should have ended up with four or five wickets in this test minimum. Lol. Jared, what's your lol? Should I tell you what mine is? Go. We've just seen a test match where the umpiring was so bad, not one, but two batsmen reviewed either a caught behind or caught at short leg decision. Yeah? Is that low? I mean, I didn't laugh. Was I supposed to laugh? I'm laughing now. Okay. Um, lol. I had two good lols. Uh, I thought the first one was the buzzing stump. Oh, yeah, that was a lol. Uh, which was a weird thing to, to have. I, I don't know. It just reminded me like of an episode of The Americans that went wrong where they were, you know, trying try to get some information and then suddenly the microphone starts. Or not even the microphone. The um, No, the microphone. I got it right the first time. The microphone starts making a funny noise. The other one was Johnny Bairstow. I think he was my lol yesterday as well. Walking down the wicket, so utterly convinced that that ball did not hit his glove. When I'm not saying... I, I've said this before. I'm going to go on his side slightly, which is, well, you don't always know where it's hit. It's just hit and it hurts, especially if it hits you on the body. You don't always know if it hits your bat. People who say they do are just talking absolute nonsense. But the fact that he walked down the wicket, so basically, he hit me here, mate. He hit me here. You can see it here. Have a look at my arm. Look, you can see the bruise. You can see the bruise on my arm. And then, of course, we see the replay, and it's Maxim on the on the, uh, on the the uh, wrist of the glove. Um, I like that. I, I like things like that. I like Johnny Besto being really, really full on about things. You can imagine the pitch in the dressing room right now, can't you? Half an hour after. To the match, England have gone down by 252 runs. Um, the team uh, angrily pointing fingers at each other, maybe putting a consoling arm around the uh, shoulder of Moeen Ali. And in the middle of it, Johnny Bairstow is 
swearing furiously and still complaining and making sure everybody listens to the fact that he did not hit it. Uh, mistakes of the day. Joel Wilson, where'd you go from there? Andrew McKenna is saying you should be sent packing to county cricket for a bit of, na- well, not naughty boy nets. Maybe that's what you do, naughty boy nets, but actually send him to the nets for four days, five days maybe. I mean, what do you do with an umpire who's looked so woefully <laughs> short of confidence himself uh, and that every review, every decision he makes is immediately reviewed by the team uh, because they think, law of averages suggests he gets more wrong than right. So there's a, there's a certain thing in, in club cricket where you can sometimes, and you usually find out in the second innings, if there's an umpire that if you continue to appeal, they eventually give the decision. I can't think of any time I've ever seen that, even at first class level. But today, there were times where I was just like, Australia were stringing out their appeals so long, knowing that the longer they appealed, the more chance that Joel Wilson would give it. Now that, and look, umpiring is as much a form thing as anything else. You talk about naughty boy nets. Alim Dar actually does spend a lot of time umpiring the nets. A lot of the ICC umpires do it, actually. I've never seen Joel Wilson do it, not to say he doesn't. But, you know, I've seen Murray um, do it quite a few times. I've certainly seen Alim Dar and some of the other umpires do it. Um, because they want to get their eye in and they want to get, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a way, the, the, as bowls get faster um, and as we have more technology so we see more mistakes, it is a really, really hard job um, to, to, to do. Um, but, you know, won't Jason Roy be happy <laughs> that Joel Wilson's made so many mistakes and Jason Roy doesn't have to be a mistake of the day? I'm not sure Jason Roy should be a mistake of the day, but I could see another day where he would be. But Mac is not talking about Jason Roy, he's talking about Joel Wilson and... Uh, I, I do like, though, an appeal that, takes, that goes on for over three and a half seconds. There was an appeal yesterday from Stuart Broad where Matthew Wade was giving out LBW. The, the appeal was long, it was consistent, but essentially it was one of those just exercising the voice box. And then he, Broad stopped his appeal and then Joe Wilson put his arm up and you could almost hear Stuart Broad saying, Huh? Yeah. Is that the last we'll see Jimmy Anderson play Ashes cricket? And if so... How will he be remembered uh, in terms of Ashes cricket? And more importantly, from an Australian perspective. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So he obviously had the horror Ashes the first time, and then he had the 13-14 Ashes, which another kind of horror Ashes. Remember that over um, of George Bailey smashing him everywhere at the Wacker? Um, uh, he, won that, he, won, he won that one big Ashes, obviously. But I think in general, he'll be seen as sub-McGrath. Sub, sub because, you know, McGrath had so much more success. That shouldn't be a criticism, though, you know? It's, I know, 100% with you. I think that he's an out-and-out England great. I don't think he's the best England bowler of all time. I know he's taking more wickets, but I think that I think England's actually produced incredible bowlers o- over the time. Um, uh, interestingly enough, there's a bowler that doesn't get much recognition in England, who's massively respected in Australia as a guy. John Snow. Yeah, John Snow. And um, because he was such, you know, he bowled, and I think he only, I don't think he played many series. I certainely started in one series, 70-71, um, I think. Um, and he has massive respect, you know. Um, I, I don't think Anderson's ever going to be quite respected that way. I think there's a lot of negativity about him. He only takes wickets in when it's swinging and all this sort of stuff, which is nonsense anyway, where you can disprove that a million times over and how often does he make the ball swing when no one else does anyway um, I, I think that over the last few years um, he spent I think the last two years or something he's averaging 20 if you can do that in your late 30s as a seamer um, I think you're an incredible bowler but he's you know he probably doesn't go down in the best 10 bowlers of all time but there's a lot of good bowlers in test cricket um, 
Uh, I, I think he's a phenomenal bowler. I, I love the skill of which he has. And, uh, you know, I, I find him very exciting to watch bowl. But, um, yeah, but it'd be interesting. And you, you see that a lot. Alistair Cook's in it. I would say Alistair Cook's probably even a better player than Jimmy Anderson. And yet, um, you know, I'm not sure that he's an automatic all-time great for everyone, the way that I think he probably should be. And I think Jimmy's just below that. But incredible cricketer. Um, and you say we won't see him again in Ashes cricket. Will we see him again in Test cricket? I agree. I mean, I think you're almost doing yourself a disservice if you allow your uh, tribalism to deny you what is and should be the the ultimate pleasure of watching someone operate at the very highest of their ability as a professional sports person. And usually you only get two or three years at that, maybe four or five. But you've got to appreciate the skills that he's brought to this English side. Um, I, when I was a kid, I used to like watching Australia play, play South Africa because South Africa were the only team that I would support Australia in, in. And it meant that I could actually appreciate watching Shane Warne. Um, I mean, it's difficult, I suppose. We all believe in support the teams we support. Yeah. But Jimmy Anderson, um, at the top of his game, as he has been, I think that's one of the most beautiful and impressive things about cricket. And if you, don't, if you allow your uh, colour blindness to get in the way of that, then you're losing out. Yeah, and I think there's one, there's, if everyone has this... Everyone thinks greatness is like one thing, but it's, it's so many different things. And I think with Jimmy, there's a certain Courtney Walsh aspect to it. Courtney Walsh was never the best bowler in his own side, and yet we still think about him as a great. And I think that when you think about the fact that they've played so long at such a high level, when fast bowlers do not do that. Yeah. And th- a bit like Sean Pollock. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, you know Sean Pollock, we, I commentated with him during... Um, uh, some of the World Cup and he was taking me through like what his body was doing and, and everything and you realise then to be able to still perform at the level that those guys do even know that the body's not working or in the case of Walsh and um, Anderson to be able to continue to even get your body to to, to work you know there, there's a level of greatness now is that is his highs as high as other players? No, but that consistency, it's a, just a different kind of greatness and if you can, you know we played in 2000 and this is his eighth Ashes series. Yeah. So we're talking about a 15-year top-level international career um, as a bowler. There aren't many of them around, mate. Uh, Jared, look, it's uh, been quite painful at times. Not your company. Okay, a bit. Uh, watching Australia win here at Edgbaston. It's not really meant to be like this, and it's been a long time since we've seen Australia win a Test match in these circumstances. But they're 1-0 up. We head to Lords, which, of course, is their fortress. Um, against England. Uh, Very much series alive, though, and I think that the flaws and strengths of these two sides quite evenly matched if you take Steve Smith out of the equation. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the following on podcast over the last six days. We will be back uh, with a preview ahead of the second Test match and then following play at the end of every day from that Lord's Test match. But for now, uh, thanks for listening. Please subscribe uh, on Acast or on iTunes and be back for that uh, preview to the second Ashes Test match. Thanks for listening. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. 
Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.